Hi, this is Ibarian X, and welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Since the creation of photography, it's played an important role in documenting the histories of people's lives, not only our personal lives, but in the life of a community, of a city, of a country, of a world. And I've been thinking a lot about, well, what happens when those images that once had a home in prints suddenly become digitized? Because for historians and writers of history, they've depended increasingly on these physical documents of what the world around us has looked like. And now with so much of our digital files not finding their ways to pieces of paper and rather being online, what impact does that have on people who are trying to document our world today? And that's why I wanted to have as today's guest, Michelle Zack, who is a writer and historian who wrote a book on the community in which I live, Altadena, here in California. She wrote a wonderful book called Altadena Between Wilderness and City. And looking through that book and in talking to her, I really wanted to have a, a deep discussion in terms of what role does photography play in people being able to tell their stories and the greater stories of the world and the communities that we live in. And I hope that even though it's not a discussion in terms of the mechanics and the, the, the artistic process behind photography, that it will provide you some insight into how your own photography can make the difference in the world that you live in today. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Michelle Zach. This episode of The Candid Frame is sponsored by Adobe Lightroom 4. Perfect your photography from shoot to finish with Adobe Photoshop Lightroom 4 software. 2013 is the harbinger of a lot of good things, a lot of new beginnings, especially when it comes to your photography. And if you haven't had the chance of discovering how Lightroom 4 can make all the difference in your photography right now is the perfect opportunity to do so. You can download the full version of Lightroom 4. There's a link on the website to do just that. And you can discover how you can better organize your images, how you can bring out the quality of those digital files and share them either online or in a book form. 2013 should be the year that you take your photography to the next level and Adobe Lightroom 4 will take you there. Try it out today and discover how Adobe Lightroom 4 can make all the difference in your photography. Michelle, welcome to The Candid Frame. Oh, well, thank you for uh, inviting me. It's nice to, to be able to talk to a neighbor. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I love um, getting to know more and more people in Altadena, especially as I seem to hate driving on the freeway more and more. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the reasons I wanted to interview you, you've written several books, one of which is the sort of history of Altadena, and you more recently have done one on uh, Sierra Madre. One of the things that sort of I've, I always have wanted to talk to someone about was the whole idea of the role of photographs in the history of a of a community. In this case, it's I'm focusing, you know, Altadena because I, I live here, but I, I I think that it's really sort of an important thing for any photographer to think about because a lot of personal photographs end up playing a real important role in someone trying to document the life of a city or a town. 
And I thought you would be a perfect uh, a guest to have on the show to talk about that. And so let's start off with your own personal experience in sort of documenting both Sierra Madre and Altadena and the role that photographs played in, in you being able to tell their respective stories. Well, um, you can't overemphasize how important uh, photographs are. And for me as a writer, uh, particularly with Altadena, I wrote the book rather quickly, but then... Um, we started to look at photographs, and and collecting the photographs uh, took about as long as it had taken me to write the book. And of course, during that whole period, I kept going back and tweaking and changing the book. My dining room table, I, well, I didn't have it for about eight or nine months <laughs> while it was just piled with, uh, you know, all of our different candidate photos. And to, to find the right mix and the ones that really illustrated the story and that fit with the text was challenging because there were some great photographs, but they didn't particularly fit with the storyline, so we we didn't use them. And where were you getting a lot of these photographs? I know there's an Altadena Historical Society, but was that primarily where you were getting those images, or did you have to go to other archives for them? Oh, I went to many archives, and I had a lot of help. Um, I'm a reader at the Huntington Library. We looked through their collections. We looked through the Pasadena Museum of History collections. Of course, Altadena Historical was maybe the main source. I contacted individuals. I went over to a lot of people's houses and looked at their photographs. We looked online. And um, there's one photograph that we got at the very last minute when we were talking about the story of the integration of Pasadena Unified School District, which to me, um, it's it was so key to the story and so important because you realize how quickly history is lost. Mm. Here was something, a major lawsuit. Uh, we had, you know, overnight, Pasadena Unified had to integrate all 25 schools. This was a big deal. And do you think we could find images of kids being bussed or the first day of school. I mean, we searched and searched. And finally, my partner in in this venture of finding photographs, Tim Gregory, who is a building biographer, he had searched the archive up and down in Pasadena Museum of History. He was actually the archivist there, so he knew that. Finally, in a little tiny envelope buried somewhere, he found some negatives and we got them printed up, and sure enough, there was, uh, you know, s- several images of the first day of school and little kids being bussed and having they had the bunny bus and the doggy bus and to try to all these to help these little you know kindergartners and first graders get on the right bus, mm-hmm. and you realize how how quickly things can can be lost. Those yeah. kind of images that were you'd think that there would have been thousands of them. It's interesting when you think about, you know, the history of a, a town that you often assume that it's usually the newspaper, the local newspaper that sort of documents everything. And then that that's really going to be the wealth of the material. But there's so much there's so many stories that happen in a, in a town that don't end up in a newspaper or get covered in the news. So how important were photographs that didn't find their way into the local paper play in your ability to be able to tell the stories that you're trying to tell the city? Well, most of the photographs that are in the newspaper you can't use, or you can use a couple of them, you know, just sort of for archival 
purposes and because they're all, you know, made into little dots by the time they get into a newspaper, unless you can find the original one. Mm -hmm. And sadly, we don't have newspapers anymore because when I was working on Altadena, there was a time when the Historical Society had a bunch of ladies who met every week and clipped everything from all, you know, the star news, or we used to at one point have one or even two newspapers in Altadena. Today, we've got nothing. Uh, we have the Star News, which is pretty sorry. Uh, I mean, mainly the even on the front page, it's not even Pasadena News anymore. Um, and equally with Sierra Madre, I, I used the newspaper often, you know, I had a thousand page index that a grad student worked to, to create to help me do research. And so I would find topics in the newspaper, and then it was often working back to find a photo that I could use. Because, of course, a long time ago, in the you know 1880s, 1890s, photographs weren't used as much. Mm-hmm. And then as you come up later, um, you might find one, but it doesn't look very good when it's reproduced, especially in the Sierra Madre book, which had really high production values. Every every picture in there is a is a quadra. Uh, what is it? It's not a duotone, a quadratone. Uh, yeah, you make an excellent point about that because you know I remember when I was working at a, at a college newspaper, we would have our archives of negatives, you know, in drawers somewhere. But you know, for for a paper or organization that's been around for for decades, or a newspaper that's you know fallen, no longer in the business, all that stuff is lost. So all you have is if you have it copies of the paper. Yeah, you might have um, a news story that's really interesting and you think, oh my goodness, I wish I could find a picture of this beautification day that is so you know, lovingly described that happened in 1902 in Sierra Madre where Everyone in town came out and cleaned up the streets and pulled the weeds. Mm-hmm. And you, in some cases, you just have to have a word picture because there's no people didn't take pictures of that. So, where does organizations like the Altadena Historical Society and the one in Sierra Madre get the prints? Because the prints end up becoming gold for you since you don't have the negatives, you don't have the slides. Oftentimes, it's an actual physical print. So where do these organizations get these get these photographs? Well, they collect them over the years. And then often when people die, uh, the kids will say, oh, here's a, here's a box of old photos. Uh, and they'll bring them into the historical society because they feel bad about throwing them out, but they mm-hmm. don't really want them. So you have that. And or with Altadena Historical Society, as I said, ladies used to clip every week um, pictures. And then sometimes, um, because when we did have newspapers in town up here, there was a relationship between the newspaper and the historical society, um, or whoever was doing publicity for any event, um, let's say old-fashioned days, uh, where, where, you know, the we would collect some images as well. Or in, in Altadena's case, Walt Mancini is a real resource. He is a photographer. I knew him 30 years ago when I was working on a newspaper, and he was working for the Star News then. And um, and so I know when I wrote my book, I contacted him, and he had some personal photos, and he also could help lead us to some uh, photos. By that time, I believe the Star News had turned over its photo archive to the Pasadena Museum of History. Mm. So they had prints and uh, a lot of negatives that we could go through. 
So what makes an image valuable to you? You, you referred to earlier about there was a certain story that you wanted to tell in, in the book, so you would be looking for images there. But when you're evaluating a photograph itself, um, sometimes it looks like it could be uh, valuable in terms of not uh, of who's in the images or where the image was shot. And some of those images may not have any information whatsoever. Uh, other times there may be some notations on the back of the print. So when you're looking at all these photographs, particularly, uh, you know, you have a wealth of images that are being provided to you on occasion. How do you discern which of the images are really going to be helpful in terms of telling the story and which images may not? Well, for me, because I'm a writer, uh, I think it all leads back to the text. And I'm not beyond changing the text if I find a photograph that is really good. But so you need to have a photograph that you have enough information about. You need to be able to locate um, where it is. And if there's people in it, you have to generally be able to identify them to make the photograph more valuable. And you need, it has to fit with the text uh, because there are some books that are so designer-led and uh, you just like maybe the writer would turn in the text and then then it's the designer's job some designers might never read your text they might not care uh, and they what they do care about is making a beautiful book and they don't care if the picture goes with the text or not now that's something I care about extremely deeply and so um for my, in my first book, I mean, there I have to say there's blood on every page. That well, the first that's the first Altadena book because there was so much uh, tension and conflict between the designers and and the author <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted to make sure that I want every picture to lead back into the text and vice versa, so that you look through a book if it's got a lot of attractive photos. Um, what I would do is I always try to make the uh, captions extremely provocative. So someone will look at an image and go, huh? And then I want them to be able to look on that page and have the information that ties to that photo. And vice versa, when they're reading something that's very interesting, to have the photo right there in front of them so that they can have their the, Im the information that's coming in through their brain, mm -hmm. um, through the reading, and through their eye to have that mesh. And I think that's really important. One of the big challenges now is in the age of digital, there are very few prints being made. A lot of people are taking their digital pictures, they're putting it on Flickr, or they're putting it on a blog or on Twitter, and it's not ending up in, in a book. Traditionally, we've all collected family albums which have had those images of you know generations past. Sometimes they've been notations on them in terms of who the people were, sometimes not. So from a historical perspective, how do you imagine it going to, is it going to be a challenge to people who are trying to tell the story of a, of a community when the ready access to even the prints is going to be that much more elusive? Well, it's a big problem, and it's much discussed in the archival world, not just images, but also all sorts of of, of information because the irony is that we have more images now than ever in particularly in the two history books that that I've worked on the problem is very clear that starting around 1950 or 60 when uh, home photography became really common the quality of the image uh, generally that you find goes way down and so 
you know, you can have a book that is just full of rich, interesting black and white photos uh, that were professionally shot. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the 50s and 60s and all of a sudden you have a ton of uh, Kodachrome or, you know, Kodacolor snapshots, which don't have the same resolution. They're not as interesting. Um, just all of a sudden we switched, our, the photo culture just switched so that professional photographers weren't being um, hired or engaged as much to tell mm. the civic story. I mean, they might be when you have a ribbon cutting or something like that, but it it was a it's became much harder to find uh interesting well you know high quality images you know the last 40 or 50 years i mean there's some incredible images out there yeah but um to to find them or in the case of um Altadena is all black and white, but we use duotones. In the Southern California story, we use quad tones, and we so we were able to introduce color in a subtle way in the first, you know, up till you know through the the end of the nineteenth century um, and into the twenties and thirties. And you could introduce color because there were there was there were color in those photos, even if they're black and white, because that's also jarring. If you have mm -hmm. the first half of a book that's in black and white and the second half in in kind of crummy color or even color, that it it makes it hard for the book to have a cohesive um, visual narrative. Yeah. So when when it comes to the snapshots that people will say would give you know, their, fam their family members passed away and they have these collections of images. So you're saying that a large percentage of those images may not necessarily be helpful. A lot um, of them are not usable. Okay. And uh, the same way with, um, I mean, it's, you you strike, when you strike gold, you know it. Um, for instance, when I was, I had an interesting experience at the archive up in, in Altadena. At this time, I think it was uh, held in the basement of, of the bank for a while. And I picked up this memoir of a woman talking about uh, Altadena in the teens and 20s and, and early 30s. And she wrote so beautifully because she wasn't just talking about her personal experience. I did this and then I did that and mommy got sick or whatever. She somehow tied a lot of her, um, she had a lot of public experience. She talked, for instance, about driving, uh, riding on the dinky line, which was like a little train and how how the seats um, used to be made of wicker hmm. and all these interesting details and about her father who just became a, a spokesman for the, um, for the arts and crafts movement. And I was just enthralled by her writing and thinking, oh, wow, I wish... You know, I could, I bet she has great photos. And I was mentioning it to Edna Smith, who was the chief archivist. And she said, well, she's still alive. You can go talk to her. <laughs> her name was Barbara Curtis Horton, and she was very old. But I went to her house, and um, sure enough, she ended up being one of my most Im important informants, and she had some great photographs. Wow. And so that doesn't happen too often where you have someone who has a much larger view of their life so that when they're writing about it, they also include context, social context, political context. Um, and she wrote about her how her family just, you know, had embraced the whole craftsman ethos and they, you know, started eating 
fruits and nuts and her descriptions of food and, and how it varied from meat and potatoes that most people were eating. Um, and she had some incredible uh, photographs to document that. Well, and that's, that's real rare to have someone who's able to eloquently write about their lives and have it that greater context and as well have some interesting images to go along with that. Woody Marshall was another guy. Um, he was very old. Both of these people have since... Um, died but before they died they really helped tell the story of Altadena because I was lucky enough to meet them and in the case of Woody Marshall he had gone to John Muir back when it was a technical college and I think went um, had a, a full scholarship to Harvard and went on to be a city planner and so the kinds of urban um, issues and uh, just his his worldview was such that he his writing about Altadena in the 20s where he said the constant backdrop was the sound of these little gasoline uh, cement mixers because that was a building boom and so he was able um, to, to tell me a lot of you know details about that and he personally had become obsessed with the transportation um system that existed because as a 10 year old he could hop on um, on a red car and go to Long Beach or go to Santa Monica or, or wherever and so he had a real interest in urban infrastructure hmm. and sure enough um, he did have a few photos uh, that that helped illustrate that story and and he was one that he I think Barbara Curtis Horton and and Woody Marshall were the two you know, old people whose personal stories ended up being most valuable to me in the telling of, of Altadena's story. Were there any photographs in, in either of the projects that you've worked on that you would not have discovered had it not been for photographs? Um, let me think. That's a good question. I sh you should have asked me that question yesterday and I could have <laughs> thought about it. Like just coming across a photograph and thinking, huh, what is that? Well, there is one. I came across an aerial photo uh, of the top of Lake and Altadena Drive. I think it was called Piedmont then. And it was, it was an aerial photo. And I couldn't believe the amount. And I think it was like 1943 or during the war or just before the war, maybe 39. Anyhow, I couldn't believe how much open space there was. And that in Altadena still at that time because the population was already not that, I mean, it was not as high as today, but it really got me thinking along a certain track that led me to do some more research to about land use in Altadena. Hmm. So yeah, that that was like some a visual cue that, that made me think, I need to look into this. And then that led, um, uh, because at the same year, I think that the photo was taken, was the year when they were really pushing to put racial covenants on properties. Um, so that story, it tied, tied into that as well, because these covenants, which kept people of color out of um, not just Altadena, but in many places all, all across uh, America, uh, and you know, in Pasadena, they really came into being sort of in the late teens and right up through the 40s. And there was a lawsuit, Shelley versus Kramer, which made them illegal, but still not enforceable. So de facto segregation carried on for a while after that. 
Um, But it wasn't really until the Fair Housing Act of 1965 or 66 that it really became illegal. um, And the onus was on the seller to not discriminate in selling their house. So, you know, the the hip bones connected to the thigh bone. and, And a lot of this really started from looking at an image. Yeah. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our other sponsor, Squarespace. If you've been wanting to create a website to showcase your work, but have been intimidated about coding or the complexities of creating and maintaining a website, then Squarespace has the answer for you because Squarespace has this great product, Squarespace 6. It's a do-it-yourself website builder that helps you to make a website or blog in just a few minutes. Squarespace handles all the hosting, gives you a free domain name, and has 24-hour customer support. Everything on the platform is drag and drop, so it's incredibly easy to use. For example, you can drag pictures straight from your desktop and create custom layouts with multiple columns and text that wraps perfectly around your images and videos. The templates are clean and crisp. It puts the focus where it should be on your photography. Additionally, you can switch to a different template at any time. One more thing that's really special about Squarespace is that your images will look great on any device because the website you create will scale automatically to fit perfectly on an iPad, an iPhone, a computer, or any other device. Import content from your blogs and push your content right back out to your social networks. Go to squarespace.com forward slash candid frame to start a free trial. No credit card is required. When you're ready to purchase, click enter an offer code below the pricing at checkout and enter the offer code CANDIDFRAME1 to get a 10% discount. That's squarespace.com forward slash CANDIDFRAME. Offer code CANDIDFRAME1. One word, CANDIDFRAME1. The, um, there are a lot of photographers who listen to the show and some of them are documenting, documenting their own communities. They like, whether it's a big town or a small, uh, small city, um, they like using their cameras not only for the pleasure of making photographs, but because they feel like they want to contribute something. So to those photographers, what do you think that they need to do to ensure that the images that they leave behind can, you know, serve the greater the greater community in terms of, you know, telling the historical story of, of where they live? Well, I just hope that they go out and look at their community and um, take pictures of changes. For instance, I don't know if you, I mean, how could you not know about the Walmart uh, controversy? And I'm not, I'm, I'm sort of neutral on that. Uh, however, now there's a new store that's uh, right over there on the corner of Lincoln and Figueroa. I'm wondering if we have many pictures of what it looked like before in those four corners and then how it looks now and then to follow in the next few years to document did it wreck business or did it act as an anchor that mm-hmm. attracted more new business because right now there's wild speculation on on all sides and there's nothing like an image to clarify uh, some of these opinions and arguments that we can say well you know Yes, it helped. No, it, it you know it, it harmed. Um, and for instance, in Lavinia, um, we have very few images. Um, this was a housing development that went in at the top of Lincoln. Uh, they were discussing it in the eighties. It went in in the nineties. Um, I wasn't here at that time, but we recently celebrated Altadena's hundred and twenty fifth birthday, and um, uh, one woman, Camille Dudley 
had a lot of interesting documentation of what the land looked like before, what it looked like after it had been bulldozed, and apparently, you know, some Indian artifacts were buried, and and what it looks like now. And even, um, I think we have one image where you can see it's Altadena from space, and you can see the impact of, of of a single housing development like Lavinia. And it's interesting to be able to trace it, what it looked like before, you know, during, after, and now, and from space. So to, to look at your community as it's changing and to document it is extremely valuable. Yeah. I think one of the ways it's, it's changed in terms of uh, that is the presence of blogs. And I think blogs, in, in some respect, have combined the images as well as the text. Some people are really uh, very talented in terms of oh, being yeah. able to use both. Um, but you know, Karen Bouguet does a great job. I have to, um, to to mention her because she tells wonderful Altadena stories and often will uh, illustrate it with a photograph of like the, the horse uh, in front of the liquor store and the guy uh, you know on his horse and uh, you know a lot of other images. But what role do you think those will play? Because we talked before in terms of the albums and the prints and mm-hmm. you know not having that information linked in with the photographs, but blogs are, uh, to some extent, providing some of that. So do you think, do you see them as being valuable? Uh, oh, in yes. Terms of when P- Petraea um, Bookhart, I think her last Bertrand, name is. Bertrand, yeah. yeah. she does a wonderful um, daily photo and really high quality. Uh, so some some of the blogs, the photos are more just a, a snapshot. And But if you get someone who's blogging who also happens to be a, photo- a professional or a good photographer who has a strong social sense that you know I think is going to be very important for future um, histor- you know historians and people who want to write about our community and you know 50 years from now but you know whether this media you know how well it's going to survive I mean these are questions that are being discussed and and really worried over by um, libraries all over the world so um, when you're working on the latest book on Sierra Madre was the experience any different as a result of you know the fact that you had had this first book under your belt, and and in terms of being able to collect the information, particularly with respect to imageries, to tell that story. Well, um, I worked with a fabulous photographer and designer, uh, Jeff Lapides, on um, the second book, and so in in that way, it was a, a much uh, easier easier. Uh, thing to put it together. But the hard part was that I think it was, in, in, since I knew how hard it was to be responsible for doing the photographs, even with help, uh, it um, my contract, I think it stated that the Historical Society was responsible for coming up with the photos. And then, of course, you know, I didn't like all their photos, that they were too slow, or, you know, so I ended up, and Jeff particularly, really got involved in finding the right photos because um, you'll always have uh, kind of people who want your, your history book to be a bit of a social registry. And, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have a picture of, you know, my family with all five generations? Um, you know, yes, it would be fun, but it's not going to be in my book, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, people who are pushing to have um, this image or that image, 
involved. If you have a committee, I've, both times I've dealt with committees um, in this sort of a project, that would be the normal thing. And I know I have a friend, Elizabeth Pomeroy, who just wrote a book uh, on San Marino. She had an extremely strong um, uh, committee, very strong opinions. So this is just something that any historian or writer is going to deal with probably in writing this kind of a book, unless mm. they're doing one, a little, uh, you know, picture book like the Arcadia Press. They've got thousands of titles out. And I don't think anyone cares what, what photos they put in it. But if it's a real history with, you know, that is got social and political context, yeah. you're, you're going to deal with that probably. So how does your perspective change on photography, if it has at all, after working on these two books and seeing the role that photography has to play in terms of your writing and in putting together these books? I'm, I, I'm sure that you're, I would think that you're, you're, how you see photography has changed a lot as a result of, of these projects. Well, well, it has, and, and I, I used to be more of a, I was never a great photographer, but I worked on a newspaper where my training actually comes through journalism. I'm not an academic historian. So I used to do a, a, a weekly newspaper where I would uh, write the copy, take the pictures, uh, you know, lay the paper out, <laughs> do everything but sell the advertising. So I've always had a, kind of a, a sense of how important it is to get the, the right picture. But now, um, I just wish that people wouldn't just take snapshots of people and that they would show streetscapes. Uh, you know, and I, I'm often I look at Altadena um, and we're I'm involved in Altadena Heritage and, and we're right now undergoing a visioning process. It, in which to update our community standards district. And as I drive up and down Lake Avenue over the years and I see more and more empty shop fronts, I'm wondering, um, you know, who's documenting this? And we've, we have taken pictures actually and then, you know, tried to do um, mapping that shows uh, the, the space and how much space is being used, how much space is empty. But it's much more effective to have a good photograph. And even, you know, this is this stretch of lake today, this is it five years ago. So people can understand that um, we need to update our community standards district because the parking regulations that come from the county, the practical effect they've had is that every time a business that's been in business for ages and had uh, grandfathered in they didn't need parking a new business comes in and the county will say oh you need 20 parking spaces you know for that nail salon or restaurant or whatever and of course they don't have it because we we developed as a streetcar suburb and so we have a very narrow commercial strip nobody unless it's a really big piece of property can ever meet the parking requirements so in turn that's why we see more and more empty storefronts because uh, it's, it's harder and harder for new small businesses to open. And to document that kind of thing is is really important. And it's a case where a picture shows a thousand words because you just start talking about planning and people glaze over. However, if you can show them a couple of images yeah. today and five years ago and 10 years ago. So, you know, you said 
a quality photograph as opposed to a snapshot. So what to you is a, is a quality photograph that is really helpful to you? Well, it just well composed. Someone just hasn't click, click, click. I mean, we all do that now because we don't have to think about the cost of film. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a photographer who's taken uh, the time to compose the shot, and uh, of course, it has to be available in high enough resolution. I mean, there's a lot of photographs on the internet. But, um, and of course, there's always the issue of permissions. You need to be able to get the permission to use the image, and you need to have it high enough res so that it can be print quality. Otherwise, um, you could have a, a, a book full of you know, terrible photographs. <laughs> no one would want to look at that. So if, if a photographer is really interested in producing, you know, a body of work, and they may or may not be involved with some sort of organization that exists mm -hmm. already, what, you know, what suggestions would you have for them? Because I'm sure that a couple of people who are listening would be really interested in using their camera to serve the community in, in some way, but they don't know where to, where to start. What would, you, what would be some of your suggestions for someone who's interested in doing something like that? Well, I think just to drive around town and really maybe look at your community, um, try to look at it with new eyes, uh, or if you have a theme that you're interested in. I, one thing that's kind of interesting to me is to see the way that uh, front gardens, front lawns are changing. Lawns are often coming out. People are moving to more drought-tolerant landscapes, which makes a very different streetscape because we're sort of used to lawn, 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 bush, bush, tree. Um, and now you see some people practicing agriculture in their front lawns. Mm -hmm. That's a big change. Uh, you see a move away from grass. People have uh, meadows of you know various herbs that don't take as much water or, or whatever. But it really, really changes the look of a neighborhood. If you, in the beginning, you might have one house um, that's, you know, try to use less water and it really stands out like a, a sore thumb and the neighbors will go, huh, what are you doing? And then um, as time passes, you get more and more people interested in, in trying to, uh, you know, in water conservation because of their bills, because they want to, because they care, because they learn more about water and, and, and want to recharge the aquifer beneath our community. So it can be any kind of an interest that a photographer has just to take that interest in a visual way um, and and try to identify how how to illustrate that um in our community, how, how it is, is already being, it's illustrated by, you know, homes or streetscapes or churches. And then there's also, you know, public meetings. But those are the ones, how many pictures do you have of people, you know, holding up plaques or proclamations? I mean, that's what gets photographed generally by professional photographs because they're hired by someone to do it. But if you just live in a place and you care about it, um, I think it's just interesting to take that caring, whatever the topic is, and, and try to take your camera out there and, and, and show what it is. Yeah, and it provides you a way to be connected to the community. I think that's one of the things that, that, that uh, I really admire about not, not just you writing these books, but how you're involved with various aspects in the, in the community. I think that's, that's, uh, it must be a very gratifying part of living here for you. That, that somehow that allows you to be connected in a way that many people don't have a chance to experience who, who live here. 
Well, they have the chance. <laughs> Maybe they haven't uh, uh, taken up, you know, they haven't taken the time to do it. We all have the chance to do that. Um, and for me, um, I found when I wrote the Altadena book how much more interesting uh, every street was if I could recognize maybe, you know, why the street was named for this or that person, or it was part of a different tract, or I, you know, I just would, had looked at old photographs, and I'm looking at the present reality and trying to sort of juxtapose the two so that I could imagine what it was like before and how it's changed. Um, so it just makes your life in general more interesting if you know about where you live. And I think for my husband and I, um, a big change for us came. We lived in Thailand for uh, most of the 90s. Mm. And we had a really interesting time there. And I, I practiced journalism, and he's a landscape architect. Uh, but we found it so frustrating uh, that we were on the outside looking in. We could not get involved in politics. We couldn't get involved in local issues because we were outsiders. And so it, we didn't really know what our plans were if we'd ever come back. We did keep this house, but we did say to each other, well, if we ever go back and live in Altadena again, we're going to be better citizens. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, and so we have tried to, to do that. And um, I'm I think having a perspective, being an outsider someplace else, it makes you really value being a citizen of a, of a place and because we belong to the place where we live and, and it belongs to us. And to the extent that we can be conscious of and appreciate that, uh, life is more interesting. And, um, and I think maybe our photographs would become more interesting as well. And the community acknowledged you this year as a citizen of the year. So well, that's true. Congratulations. Oh, well, for thank that. you very that's much. It's well deserved. Oh, thanks. Yes. Well, it's a big honor. I appreciate it. It's not going to change. Uh, you know, I consider myself a bit of a rabble rouser. But I'm very pleased and a bit surprised to to get that particular recognition, but it's it's very gratifying. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is to recommend uh, another photographer. You're not a photographer, but you're free to, to suggest anyone, and it can be anyone. Well, I have to recommend uh, Jeff Lapidus, who is a um, photographer. I think he mainly specializes in taking pictures of gems, and uh, he works in, in the, uh, I think, for some magazines, that uh, gem industry. But he also, he can do, like, he does product photography, and in the case of... Um, the Sierra Madre book is actually called Southern California Story. Whenever I wanted a special photograph, he could always do a setup and do the. He's has done so many wonderful pictures of ephemera, which really bring a story to life. Um, because, like for instance, he took a picture of a little sewing kit from the First World War, and he did it so well and did these little drop shadows and you almost you want to pick the button up off the page it looks so real and when you have that mixture of you know photographs of people of places and then these ephemera the some of the material culture um that really is a nice mix and it makes it can really make history come to life if you can feel like you can reach out and, and touch an object uh, you know, that was created 100 years ago or 50 years ago. Cool. So where can people find out more about what, you, uh, what you're doing? Uh, well, they can, I have a website. I don't, uh, 
I don't. The, the best thing is just to Google me because I am involved in a lot of different projects and just uh, I, I work with um, with public school teachers and I uh, I work with Bill Deverell and the Institute on California in the West where we do professional development for teachers to improve uh, teaching of American history. Just this morning, there was an article in the LA Times about interesting old maps of California. And for instance, that link um, we're sending out to all of our teachers because people used to think California was an island. And maps and drawings, of course, uh, were what people had uh, before photographs. So it can be wonderful to use in the classroom and to sort of bring history alive for, for students. Well, thank you so much for making the time and, and having me in your home. It was, I, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank well, you. thank you. This has been a real pleasure. The Candid Frame is supported by donations from people just like you. You can help support the work we do here by visiting the website at thecandidframe.com and contributing using PayPal. You can also support the show by writing a review in the iTunes Music Store or by adding a link to the podcast on your website or blog. The editor for this show is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is by Kevin McLeod. And this is Ibadian X, and this is The Candid Frame. <laughs>